0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Cannabis Nation, where we help guide you through the wonderful and complex world of cannabis by shedding light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. We are your hosts, I'm Nick.
1: And I'm Susan.
0: And this is episode 13. 13.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Barely keeping it clean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the classification station yes. is what we're headed to today. We had the terpene train and uh-huh. now we're pulling into the station. Oh, yes. So what does that mean? We're going to take you through a trip back in time. Oh, my Talking goodness. about the classification oh, of yeah, cannabis, the- how it's changed, yeah. where it is today and where it should be going.
1: Yeah, Um. and normally we do like a news or an update of some fashion, but... Today, we thought we'd just get right into it because the platform is ever-changing, and we have a lot to tell you about. So A lot
0: of information. Yeah,
1: we're going to so just definitely. get right into it yeah. and get into the journey and be on our way.
0: Yeah, so we're going to start off by going all the way back to 1753. Three, three. In 1753, Carl Linnaeus coined the term cannabis sativa, Mm -hmm. defining European hemp used at the time, mainly for sales, linen, rope, and paper. Uh, But uh, shortly later, uh, in er, 1785, yeah, 30 years down the road, Jean-Baptiste de Lamarck uh, coined the term cannabis indica after noticing a marked difference in plants traded from the East compared to the European hemp at the time.
1: Yeah. And what were those differences, Nick?
0: Well, actually, I'm going to have you describe them, Susan. Okay,
1: so the factors of the time were the sativa was were tall, lanky, fibrous plants with narrow leaves, and they were less narcotic and tended to grow in warmer climates. Okay, so the indicas. <clears throat> were shorter, conical, densely leaved, with and wider leaves as well, and more narcotic, all right? And they tended to grow, grow in cooler, harsher conditions. Now, here's the deal. Remember, we've talked about this with the terpenes, that terpenes and other chemical compounds are to help with predation and other factors yeah. in the wild. So, obviously, indica's having a cooler climate needed yeah. to be a little bit more
0: beefier. Yeah, they generally right? grew in mountainous conditions, a lot of the sativas and the early European hemps were either growing wild in Europe or brought over through colonization right. of more of the Western Hemisphere. So that's where you got a lot of those more sativa strains. And that's right. why they only had that one classification to start with.
1: Right. But see, and then, we, then you get into the Indicas. and then, But even back then, scientists didn't all agree with these classifications. And they had different classifications throughout time, honestly, yeah. since... That 1753 marker, there have been, at one time there was like 16 different classifications. Yeah, some scientists that were
0: trying to come up with all sorts of different ones. Yeah.
1: And there were even like knockdown, drag out, almost like fist fights in some situations where people were talking about these different classifications. When Nick and I were doing this, uh, when we were uh, doing the work on this, we noticed that there was a time when you were trying to get off of a, a marijuana drug charge, you could say that it was classified sativa and this wasn't classified sativa and how the scientists involved got kind of rowdy in the courtroom. Yeah, so, we, we, yeah. we read
0: this these stories specifically about in Canada how cannabis sativa was illegal, But then they would hire, you know, experts to say, oh, well, this isn't cannabis sativa, Sativa. this is cannabis indica. Right. So, So, But I mean, that just speaks to the trade-off that, I mean, even after indica was coined and became a little bit more popular in use, a lot of people still just went by cannabis sativa. I mean, you look mm -hmm. at like a lot of those 1800s medicine bottles that had cannabis in them, but they'd all say cannabis sativa, even though indica was the more narcotic And it would say
1: cannabis sativa indica.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. you'd, You'd have all these different kind of weird classifications but yeah so between 1753 and more modern uh, times there were all sorts of different classifications but we're going to jump all the way to the 1970s William Embedin, Lauren Anderson, and Richard E. Schultz, along with other scientists, conducted taxonomic studies of cannabis and concluded that enough stable differences Mm -hmm. exist that support the recognition of at least three species, that being Cannabis sativa, Cannabis indica, and Cannabis ruderalis. Now, what's that, Susan? Now,
1: pardon me, excuse me, I get so excited. (laughs) Now... Ruderalis are a strain of cannabis that is wild and much more invasive. They grow short and sparse and have low THC content and sometimes higher CBD content. Now, the other notable trait is that they are auto flowering. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, sativa and indica enter the flowering cycle based on the amount of sunlight they are getting and the change of the season. OK, now auto flowering plants will enter the flowering cycle after a specific amount of time, regardless of conditions of sunlight. OK, so that means that they propagate a lot faster
0: yeah, generally. Right. and Shorter growing time. Exactly, yep. exactly. They don't grow as large. They just really get to that flowering cycle, which for people that don't know the flowering cycle is when it starts producing the beautiful buds that we know and love. love. Yes. Um, so uh, we're going to go on to, after that, the main market difference between cannabis that changed was uh, the introduction yes. of sensomia.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, I do have to say, too, right in here that I want to say, so right up until this point, you did have land race strains where you could definitely definitively say this was more sativa. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just know that up until this point here in the 1950s. You could, you know, sixties. You could say a Kush was a Kush, and yeah. okay,
0: all right. Well, and even after that, for an for an extended period of time, you know. But uh, the reason we're mainly talking about sensame is because a lot of people talk about it as a big change in cannabis. It is. It was, but it's just a growing style. Is right. what a lot of people don't realize. Right. It's not a genetic difference. No. it's not a different type of plant. No. Uh, it wasn't bred differently. No. But uh, Sensumia essentially just means seedless in Spanish. Yes. Um, so it was popularized largely due to Rafael Caro Quintero in the 70s.
1: Okay, a real live dude.
0: Yeah. He was <laughs> a major, major player in uh, the cartels in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that... Uh, Marijuana wasn't grown seedless before that. They were, techniques were used long before and reportedly hard to find, never produced on a large scale before. Right. Um, So why is Sensomia cannabis good? Uh, When female plants grow their flowers without being pollinated and producing seeds, they put all that seed energy that they would have made uh, seeds with into producing more trichomes. they don't get pregnant. Exactly. They don't get bothered by that. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, they produce more trichomes yeah. more can- and thusly more cannabinoids and terpenes. Uh, so when Sensomia became popular, there was a sudden jump in the potency uh-huh. of cannabis available to the regular consumer.
1: Like a big market because yes. of this Raphael, by the way. I yeah. mean, honestly, he kicked it up to the next level. Yeah,
0: first time that Sensomia cannabis was produced on a commercial level yeah. where yeah. they could really distribute it.
1: Yeah, now how we got off the land race track, okay? According to researchers, cannabis breeding in the United States for the purpose of producing high THC strains that finish early enough for North American outdoor cultivation began in the early 1960s. Mm-hmm. Okay, But it wasn't until mid to late 70s that the popular cross- crossbreeding strains like skunk number one and the original haze became widely available in cannabis black markets. Okay, In the 1980s, listen to this. Navelle Schoenmakers and David Watson, a.k.a. Sam the Skunk Man, teamed up to create the first international seed-based Bank based out of the Netherlands isn't that so cool? Yeah, yeah. This gave black market growers everywhere access to potent, stabilized genetics of crossbred strains. Okay, so this
0: is where like this is where the the cannabis black market in America really blew up. Mm-hmm. Where all of a sudden you could find a catalog and order seeds online of yes. good, potent strains, and yes. everybody could grow if they had the space and the you know the willingness. Uh, all these all these new strains. All of a sudden, it wasn't all coming from Mexico. It right. was starting to be propagated in America, which is a m- huge difference as well. But that led us into medical and later recreational and marijuana and how that accelerated and changed how we crossbred.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: in 1996, California became the first state to legalize the propagation and consumption of medical marijuana by qualifying patients and their caregivers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this created a Boom in the breeding and selection of new cannabis strains, as there was now a legal avenue to do this in America.
1: Yeah, so cool, too. Yeah. So, yeah, and the laws soon expanded to allow co ops, right?
0: Yeah, so the law expanded to allow co ops and collective grows, as well as a distribution network to patients without the ability to grow themselves. Yeah. So THC testing became commonplace soon after this, and this furthered the search for stronger and stronger strains. Right. But as the industry became more commercialized, breeders also started selecting genetics for different traits like right. higher yield, mm-hmm. time to flower, mm-hmm. and even higher CBD stuff, all sorts of different factors started to come in. So yep. that is really where we start to find our breakaway from sativa mm-hmm. hybrid yep. and indica. Yep. You know you have if you're breeding a strain that's going to be high THC, grow big and produce a lot of buds, and flower quickly, you're all of a sudden crossing a sativa hybrid and, or sorry, a sativa and indica and ruderalis yep. strains, yep. and you're no longer, you can't fit it into any of those categories. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, so seed versus clones. All right. What happens there? Like when you're talking about these guys who are doing seeds, they're doing a lot of work. Yeah, Right. Yeah, okay. this was
0: like the next market difference right. in, in how we produce cannabis, right. see, is, is seeds versus clones. Now,
1: early in the 70s, land race strains would be bred and the resulting seeds would then be inbred for multiple generations, right, to create a stable of set genetics, you know, that was that was stable all across the seed production, all right? All those seeds produced had to have these genetics. But see, you can see how that takes time. Yeah. Because you have to keep growing. That's like, you know. You need
0: a large crop. You need multiple generations. Yes. And cannabis takes a long time, time to, to grow to flower.
1: Right. And this was the main method of ensuring that the strains you acquired would be consistent. But after medical marijuana became widespread, the cloning of plants quickly became the most popular way to propagate, Mm -hmm. right? The initial reasons for this was, one, because taking a clone off the female plant would always yield a female plant. Yeah. All right? You wouldn't have to, you know, kill all the males. and, And so that took... That time out of it. It also reduced the time taken to propagate as the germination process was completely cut out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you no longer had to wait for the seeds to grow. You no longer had to wait to the point and see if they were going to be male or female. female or viable. Every plant that that you put in the soil that grew was going to be exactly what you wanted.
1: Right. But it also led to a completely new method of breeding. Inbreeding multiple generations to create stable seeds was no longer necessary. So breeders could now cross two strains, grow out the seeds, select the plant that presented the best genetics, and clone it indefinitely. Yeah. All right? That's huge.
0: Exactly. So
1: this greatly reduced the time it took to breed a new strain strain and led to an explosion of new strains flooding the medical marijuana market as even closet growers could do this selecting the individual genetics known as phenotypes or genotype is a more accurate term but <clears throat> coined the term pheno hunting which is to this day the most popular form of breeding cannabis
0: yeah all yeah, right that's where we i mean that it, it, we can't even Really put it into words, how many new strains came onto the market at this Bam. point? Because it was a, a one generation, yep. you have it. And yep. you can propagate a, a farm full real quickly. Right now. Yes, exactly. You no longer had to wait multiple generations. Right. It, it got a lot quicker. Um. So after moving to this, you'd expect if you're taking clones off a plant and they have the identical genetics, why am I buying strains from multiple growers and having a completely different mm-hmm. experience today mm-hmm. well there are a few different reasons firstly if they're ta- if we're talking about long distance traveling to get these different genetics. A lot of them are still growing from seed, mm-hmm. but we're still dealing with this new method of propagating and growing so that the genetics between the different seeds aren't as similar as they would have been previously. So each grower that buys a package of seeds uh-huh. will then grow them out and select their own phenotype, uh-huh. which they might select an awesome one, but it might be markedly different than the one that another farm selects or That's right. a, a clone from another farm. So you have those differences to start. The next one is locally buying clones and market integrity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what I mean by that is if you're buying a clone, the only thing you can go off of is that the grower or the producer that is giving you that clone is being honest about what it actually is. (laughs) You know, we are in in this crazy time where there are... It's the
1: Wild West out there, people. Yeah,
0: yeah, and strains are getting such hype. You know, you'll see it from some really good quality growers and it'll get popular and then all of a sudden everybody is growing this strain yes everybody has a wedding cake i was just gonna say yeah cake 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 let them eat cake yeah seriously yeah exactly so all these people that are buying these clones the people that are propagating the clones and selling them you know they're gonna get more money for the hype strains so they Mm want to have them so either you source them properly or if you can't get them you grow something that's kind of similar and call it that and <laughs> and make some money you know not everybody is 100% honest and we have to take that into account right um third from that is deterioration and disease mm-hmm. um so do uh, largely due to this new method of single generation crosses We are looking at plants that no longer have a lot of the natural resistances that were bred into them uh, from either just their land race, uh, uh, you know, from when they were growing in the wild to now today where we have them cross so much that that a lot of those traits are bred out because they're not what we're looking for. So much of this of our plant is grown indoors in climate control. highly Specific areas that we don't necessarily pay much attention to that. But. We still need to because disease can definitely absolutely destroy some genetics or even, you know, just deteriorate plants over time. Um, Lastly is the growing methods and nutrients used of that specific grower. The nutrients that we give the plant, depending on what different amounts will Cause the plant to produce different things. If Wildly. you give it the building blocks to produce a certain cannabinoid more than another, yep. it's going to produce more of that. Yep. one. You know, it, that that's just the 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 plain facts. Of no, it. and and just also,
1: just like I can have a tomato seed from a tomato that Nick has the se- same uh, seed from that same tomato, he's going to grow a tomato in his yard that's going to be different than the tomato I grow in my yard, even though it's from the same tomato. It's yeah. a natural plant it every seed has a, it's just like you're not your brother <laughs> yeah
0: thank goodness right but yeah. so so we've already talked about how sativa and indica really don't mean much as far as the plants that we're buying and smoking today right but we're also starting to realize that strains are really not something that we should be going off of either. Yes,
1: exactly. So what does that mean? What is a real definitive way that we can tell? Well, well
0: the experts are saying that chemotypes or chemovars are the proper way that we should start classifying different cannabis plants yep. to give us a more accurate idea of how they're going to affect us. Right. After we buy them. Right. So what does that mean? Uh, They are, chemotypes and chemovars are classifications based on the chemical makeup of the plant. Uh Uh-huh. Not its genetic history. Right. With the popularity of the entourage effect and the growing uh, interest in terpene profiles in cannabis, it's becoming clearer and clearer that the most important factors for how your cannabis will affect you are the cannabinoids, terpenes, and other compounds in the plant and their concentrations. Right. Not... Sativa versus hybrid versus indica, indica, or even what strain it is. Right. Like we're saying, it can be vastly different from grower to grower. Um, so these factors are what chemotypes and chemovars would directly address.
1: Right, and so I guess uh, what we're trying to say here is that what's what's the question mm-hmm. for for you as uh, as a person in the market, just you know, be a consumer. Yeah. All right, and what well, the question is. This is, the question should be, what do I want to get done today? What is the experience that I want to have today, exactly. right? Am I going to, you know, be going on a hike or do I um, want to get some rest and, you know, couch lock? Whatever that is
0: for you. Yeah. How do you want to feel is the most important factor right. to the end user. It's right. not, I mean... A lot of people love, love different flavors too. You know, that's, that is definitely important. But as far as the high goes, it's really just how it's going to affect you. Not sativa versus hybrid versus indica. Cause you right. can have an indica that's going to be mostly a body high, but still rel- relatively energetic and you can get shit done. Or you can have one that's going to be so heavy of a head high that you yeah. can't even keep your eyes open. Sure. You and, know, and you know,
1: that can, again, that classification of sativa indica is going to be changing and morphing. Unfortunately, that's the language we're stuck with right now. Yeah, And that language doesn't really have any relevance to what that product is on the shelf anymore. No, And so what I feel like is the best way for you as the consumer, again, is to find a producer and processor, a, a grower, mm-hmm. that you like, that hits your buttons, that that particular chem dog versus that other producer Processors, yeah. Dog gives you that experience that you're looking for. Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: So, and then like, I mean, in the future, we also need to look at like, okay, if we were to go to chemotypes and chemovars, uh, which
1: is expensive by the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How, how would that look for an industry? How would we use those realistically right. to communicate information to a customer? So, first of all, we would need to create different classifications in those Again, different chemo types. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> well, it's important. That's, Since that's 1753. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we'd have to do some broad range testing, which, like Susan said, is very expensive. Yes. But our methods today of testing every single lot and putting a specific percentage of THC and CBD and and all these different cannabinoids on there is not accurate because each plant's going to produce a different amount each each, lot each lot each from top to bottom i mean of a plant your buds might have a different concentrations so we need to do some maybe three or four generations of of testing and then create just a ratio of the different chemicals and how they generally present that would be step one so instead of testing every single lot we test a certain amount of time, An aggregate, and and then aggregate that information mm-hmm. and say, okay, this is how this plant uh, presents its chemical composition. That would also require, you know, growers to have very consistent growing methods, right? So, and if they did, not that they shouldn't be experimenting and changing things up, but if you do, you need to redo your testing. It, it's going to affect everything. It's going everything. to affect everything, and then, so. To put it into layman's terms, I don't usually like to compare alcohol to weed, but Mm -hmm. looking at beer, there's a lot of similar ways that we could do chemotypes to kind of match the way that beer is classified. So you have, for example... Your stouts, your pilsners, your IPAs, those different types of beers, no matter who you buy them from, are going to be somewhat similar. You know what to expect with them. That's true. Same with wine, too. Exactly. Same with wine. You Mm -hmm. know what to expect from these different types, but each different brewer or uh, winery is going to have their own particular twist on it. That's right. But you still know what to expect overall if you're buying a stout. Right. Right. That's what we need to do with chemotypes. We need to create a set of however mm. many it takes to give you an idea of, okay, if it's this chemotype, I can expect these effects, but it's going to have this grower specific grower's twist on it. Right, exactly.
1: Which, so, yeah. again, is why you, the consumer have to do that legwork for yourselves too mm-hmm. i mean you can have some bud tender that had you two might share exp- uh, same experiences
0: but again everybody's different yeah and that's why chemotypes would help so much is because if it's the chemical makeup that we're going off of then you can say now you can't right now you can't trust a sativa to be what you what you want it to be right you can't trust a specific strain to be what you want exactly. It to exactly but if we know what the chemical makeup is and depending on and you figure out how that specific chemovar affects you right then you can know okay i can try this same chemovar from another grower and That's while it'll right. be slightly different i can expect the correct effects of what of how this chemovar affects right.
1: me and in conclusion i'm going to say that This is an ever changing thing. And like I said, has been since 1753. And as we get, as legalization has made it possible for us to do these kinds of research and development, uh, we will get to a better understanding and be able to classify it in a whole new way and come up with a whole new lexicon because that's where we're going. And it's so exciting to be on the ground floor of that, but just know that you're not crazy That that sativa over here actually did make you couch locked and that indigo over there actually made you want to do the dishes. Yeah. You're not crazy. You aren't. This is the way the market is going.
0: Yes. We need to change our vernacular to keep up with the science of it. Right. And to give everybody the best experience they can possibly have and continue to legitimize cannabis as a wellness product. Yes. And
1: we will be coming up with, there will be new language that is developed from this. It's going to be great. So that being said, we, we're going to talk about our story time. We're not doing our reviews right now, Um, but we're going to do story time. And something that uh, we thought would be kind of interesting is to talk about how different producer processors uh, affect, you know, the different, the different, strains like say it's a strain and then how that changed for us yeah like our
0: our first noticeable difference in like oh i thought i liked this strain but then i tried it from somebody else what happened so go ahead susan why don't you start
1: okay so i'm kind of a geek this way i think you know you all heard me say that before but i like to when new strains come out like the wedding cake or like when the chem dog came out and i was a big i still am a gg4 fan yeah so um, when I noticed was the chem dog, because for me, I had this in my head that this chem dog was like a perfect 50 50 hybrid where it gave me a nice little body relaxation. Didn't make me too zippy, but I was creative at the same time, but not manic, you know? Yeah. So and I didn't have that paranoid rush at the beginning either. It was a nice, smooth carpet ride, which is what I really go for. Yeah. So. I'm doing this chem dog and I'm doing this chem dog and I'm doing it by this particular producer and it's really hitting all my buttons. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that chem dog wears out and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm going to try this chem dog. It looks good. Crystally, you know, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, right. You know, and I take it home and that bitch laid me square out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Boom. Like right out. So Which I thought was, you know, really like what? This is my chem dog, you know. Is it?
0: I thought I could trust you, dog.
1: Is it me? You You know, because I betrayed me. (laughs) You have betrayed me, you know. And then you start questioning yourself, like, is it my metabolism right now? You know, so you smoke it again, right? And
0: boom down. Peace out.
1: You know, like, did you, like, I just passed out on the couch and I yeah. think I had the remote in my hand and like nothing was happening. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that and then uh, I went to another producer's chem dog and it was even more zippier, right? Like more of a sativa. I almost got a little paranoid rush at the yeah. beginning, you know, and I thought, oh, what is this? And then I realized what my friend Professor Potnick had been saying the Mm -hmm. whole time was true and that everybody was talking about these phenotypes and they were talking about the terpene profiles and they were talking about all these things the cannabinoids and how my physical composition and my serotonin levels jive with those compounds. Right. Yeah. That's when I really noticed that it, it's about for me, the producer processor. So, so what I'll do when we get a bunch of like the same kind of strains, I actually will buy like, you know, four different wedding cakes. Yeah. Just to see how each one of these is going to affect yeah. me. So I can tell the consumer that when they come into the shop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, and that's all. I, I know that people are probably shaking their heads about um, at me saying this, but it's a lot of work. It is. Being, <laughs> <laughs> like, it is a lot of work. Smoking that much weed and like, and staying like, conscious of all the different nuances and and absolutely like it's a lot of work it is and you know and
1: there's a thing too where you don't want to mix the two so you know you're talking about four different days you know for me because i'm at work you know i'm not smoking pot at work regardless of what you
0: people think yeah.
1: <laughs> Regardless of how crazy I might seem on that floor, I am not high. It's <laughs> specifically
0: because you're not high that you're Specifically.
1: You're looking at why Susan smokes pot when she's... <laughs> when she's behind the counter. <laughs> anyway, so just know that it is a lot of work and it does take time. And a lot of us, we don't get, you know, samples as much as you think we get free weed. We don't, yeah. you know, we I get a discount, but we're still, you're still putting your own money into it. Too.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So
1: that was my experience with my kick What about you, Nick?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, kind of, I mean, it's somewhat similar, but like when it was when I first uh, moved up here, uh to get into the cannabis industry ah. uh before the my the store that I work at opened. Uh I had gotten from one specific grower a, a super lemon haze and I was in love with it because mm. At the time, what I wanted most out of cannabis was creativity. You know, I wanted that real heady, uh, creative effects. I was playing a lot of music. I was writing. I was doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of drawing as well. And I just loved to be able to get into that creative zone in my head. So I was obsessed with it. I bought so much of the super <laughs> lemon haze. And it was super. So, it was absolutely <laughs> super. Then. No. I went to the dispensary, and they were out of my super lemon haze. Not Yes. Perish the thought. But they had a super lemon haze from another producer. Wow. Well. So I get down to it. I get my art supplies out, and sure. I'm ready to get creative. Sure. And I take a hit of it. Uh-huh. I take a few hits. And about 15 minutes later, I've realized I've just been staring at a wall. <laughs> And done. Ah, The paper is blank.
1: (laughs) Your head is blank. (laughs) Your mind's a blank.
0: Everything is absolutely (laughs) blank. It's the exact opposite of what I wanted. I just was stoned staring at a a wall for probably out a window or something. But still, for for 15 minutes, I was like, oh, what (laughs) happened? (laughs) What is this? Why did this not do what I wanted it to do? You know?
1: Was I abducted by aliens? Exactly.
0: Seriously, where did that time go? (laughs) If
1: I have drooling on my,
0: yeah. Seriously, I mean, it was it was a great strain if you're bored just to smoke because time would just go by and you wouldn't even notice, but not what I was going for whatsoever, you know? And down the line, this happened so many times with so many different strains, too, where I'd try one. You know, I think I've previously talked about, like, the first time I smoked Girl Scout cookie, and that was when I got it from a medical dispensary, and it was fucking amazing. Right, right, right. Weight of the world off my shoulders every time I smoked it. Right. But... Uh, you know, I've never had that experience since. Right. I, I you can't, that's, it's just another issue, you yeah. know, that we're it's dealing like with. It's like when
1: your favorite, it's like when your favorite craft beer leaves the shelf and you're yep. chasing that dragon. Yeah. <laughs> you call yourself a stout.
0: Or when they get bought up by, by yeah. big beer. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They change it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's
0: the same can, but uh,
1: <sighs>
0: definitely not the same love. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: I feel you, Gene. I feel yeah. you.
0: So chemovars, chemotypes, let's keep talking about it. Yes. Do your own research yeah. into it. You know, it's amazing nowadays how much power the consumer has oh, over yeah. how things change. You yeah. know, yeah. we as, as bud tenders and as cannabis professionals do everything we can to help spread information and help keep people on the right track. track. But, you know, the best thing you can do is put some time in, educate yes. yourself and and start asking for things at the counter. That's yeah. that is the power that you have as a consumer is That's to right. ask for a wide range of test and, results. And ask tell them the experience
1: and, and a good bud tender, as Nick and I will always ask you, what do you want to experience today? Yeah. What do you want to get done today? Yeah. How yeah. do you want to feel? Thanks for listening to Cannabis Nation. We hope this has helped shed light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cannabis Nation Podcast. This is Susan. And I'm Nick. Ending on a
0: high note. I mean it's interesting information and I, but to, it, to some but to, but to, to the general <laughs> cannabis consumer <laughs> no, they don't care. the general genital the genital, <laughs> the genital <laughs> sequencing uh, uh that's the, a whole other podcast yeah, the uh <laughs> uh which comes first um uh the genetic Sparkling sequencing your yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry it, me. it doesn't, it doesn't...